Your big project is due this week. The deadline has been looming on your calendar for days, weeks, maybe even months. But with each passing minute it becomes harder to focus. But we all know that day never comes. As a recent study currently navigating the professional world, I can confidently say that permanently eliminating distractions is an unrealistic goal. However, with the right mindset and strategies, we can curb our tendency to procrastinate. This post will tell you exactly how to do that. But if we are to work against procrastination, we first need to understand procrastination. Procrastination is an emotional behavior. The human brain is often as irrational and indecisive as it is powerful. The rational part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, is locked in a constant battle with the more emotional, instinctive side, the amygdala. As nice as it would be to use logic to convince ourselves why we shouldn't put off important work, our brains aren't that simple. We are emotional creatures, and our emotions are often what play the biggest role in our tendency to procrastinate. This is especially true for those who have a hard time regulating their emotions. Even though we might feel guilty for putting things off, we tend to rationalize our behavior by convincing ourselves that it's really not a big deal. For example, a study conducted at Bishop University had students react to stressful events in which procrastination actually caused a problem, including a scenario where someone came back from a sunny vacation with a suspicious mole, but put off going to the doctor for a long time. In this situation, the chronic procrastinators made statements such as, at least I went to the doctor before things really got worse, rather than things like, if only I had gone to the doctor sooner. The no-big-deal responses are called downward counterfactuals, reactions that downplay consequences in an effort to improve one's mood in the short term. This is in contrast to upward counterfactuals, reactions that embrace consequences so as to learn a lesson for future reference. Even though most of us feel guilty about procrastinating, our craving for emotional pick-me-ups when confronted with difficult or boring tasks prompts us to rationalize counterproductive behavior. This keeps us locked in a never-ending cycle of inaction. The Biology of Procrastination When a research team in Germany did free brain scans on 264 adults, they found a link between difficulties in taking action on tasks, procrastination, and a greater amounts of gray matter volume in the amygdala, which is the brain's fight-or-flight center. In other words, chronic procrastination can literally change your brain structure. But don't worry, our brains are extremely adaptable. The right habits can rewire our brains for the better. In fact, a study done in 2013 showed how just 8 weeks of mindfulness meditation can actually shrink the amygdala. And as the study notes, greater than as the amygdala shrinks, the prefrontal cortex, associated with higher order brain functions such as awareness, concentration and decision making, becomes thicker. The findings from the free scans reflect the results of another study done at Brooklyn College, which discovered a correlation between procrastination and problems with executive functioning, meaning our self-awareness that allows us to control our behavior. When the researchers tested students on procrastination and then on nine measures of executive functioning, such as self-monitoring, emotional control, and organization, they found that higher levels of procrastination were significantly related to problems on all nine scales. So, to some of these insights, the current body of research points the finger primarily at our inability to self-regulate our emotions and mood as a significant cause of procrastination. Even though we can sense the harm we're doing, Giving in to our emotions doesn't just make procrastination seem okay, it just reinforces a mental pattern. Forgive and forget. If you find yourself falling into the procrastination trap, the last thing you should do is shame yourself for it. In fact, a productive first step to better habits is forgiving yourself for the past procrastination you've done. In one study of 119 college students preparing for midterm exams, 
Researchers discovered that students who forgave themselves after procrastinating on their first exam were less likely to put off studying for the second one. As the researchers note, procrastination is really a self-inflicted wound that gradually chips away at the most valuable resource in the world, time. You're not alone. Procrastination can make us feel isolated at times, but it's encouraging to know you're not the only one on the battlefield. Even the greats were preoccupied with their occasional lack of motivation. Walter Isaacson's biography on Da Vinci makes that clear, stating, Greater than the most obvious evidence that he was human rather than superhuman is the trail of projects he left unfinished. Tell me if anything was ever done, he repeatedly scribbled in notebook after notebook. Tell me if ever I did a thing. Tell me if anything was ever made. Greater than. Greater than Walter Isaacson. Procrastination, Perfectionism, and Priorities. Carl Richards once said that if you want to carve an elephant from a block of wood, you don't start the process with fine grit sandpaper. Richards is a financial whiz, but the metaphor has strong implications when it comes to procrastination. Your project is your sculpture, and if you want it to turn out well, you must start with blunt instruments and broad strokes, not obsessing over the details, leave that for the end. It's easy to succumb to shiny object syndrome where we're tempted to fantasize about the fun or popular facets of our projects while the most important part, sitting down and doing the work, gets thrown to the wayside. You know what trying to sand an elephant out of a block of wood actually is? It's daunting, says Richards. And what daunting means is that you're probably going to quit before you even start. Maybe you'll take a few passes, and perhaps you'll get as far as shaping a leg or a trunk. But eventually you're going to give up. The process is just too slow. Perfectionism is the enemy of productivity and the friend of procrastination. It's only after making those initial violent chops, starting the project, that sandpaper, fixing the details, can be effective. So, grab your, proverbial, chainsaw and go wild. The Procrastination Equation Dr. Piers Steele, a distinguished research chair at the University of Calgary, is a procrastination expert. No, that doesn't mean he's good at procrastinating, it means he has devoted his professional life to helping people combat procrastination. In Dr. Steele's book, The Procrastination Equation, he presents an equation that explains your current level of motivation to accomplish something. Expectancy value. Underscore. Impulsiveness delay. I know you didn't come here to solve math equations, but this can give you some key insights into why you're not getting as much done as you'd like. Let's break down these variables. Expectancy, how confident you are that you can actually get this thing done. Value, how much this task means to you. Impulsiveness, how easily you give in to temptations. Delay, how long you have to wait before you receive the expected rewards of completing the task. If you need to stop procrastinating, evaluate your situation based on these four variables and identify your strong and weak points. Rather than flailing hopelessly, you'll gain a better sense of self-awareness. Maybe you need to curb your impulsiveness. Maybe you should incentivize your tasks so there's less delay between action and reward. No matter what the case is, all of the following actionable tips can be applied to create a more favorable outcome for your personal procrastination equation. Take control of your environment. First things first, if your environment is littered with temptations and distractions, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage from the get-go. For example, working in your room might seem convenient, but if video games and food are within sight, you may be tempted to take a lot of study breaks. If distractions fuel your procrastination, the first step you'll need to take is to find the optimal study space. People's preferences for study spaces differs greatly. For example, I prefer libraries and other silent places while others need the bustle of coffee shops or student centers to feel comfortable. 
Regardless, here are three tips to keep in mind when creating your study space. 1. Remove distractions, video games, your phone, unnecessary snacks, and maybe even people, just be nice. 2. Keep it consistent. Your brain loves patterns, and if you return to the same space over and over, your mind can channel its energy into work instead of wondering why you're moving from place to place. 3. Make sure everything you need is within arm's reach. If you accidentally leave your notebooks or calculators in other places, you're giving yourself an excuse to interrupt your workflow. Pack up and stay put. I should also mention that taking control of your environment isn't just limited to physical items, you need to take control of your digital environment too. This can mean putting your phone on airplane mode to eliminate notifications or closing out ESPN, Reddit, Facebook, or whatever else sucks your time. Eliminate your choices. In his 2004 book, The Paradox of Choice, Why More is Less, psychologist Barry Schwartz makes the case that reducing a consumer's number of choices reduces anxiety for shoppers. For example, an ice cream shop with 237 flavors is more overwhelming than a shop with seven. The same theory applies to students and professionals, the more options we have, the harder it becomes to zero in on a specific task. Instead of knocking out one task at a time, we squander our time wondering, planning, and procrastinating instead of doing. The solution? Become a robot. Robots are programmed to operate on a specific set of commands, they don't think about options, they just do whatever they're programmed to do. In the same way, we must break down our to-do list into small, manageable chunks and check them off one at a time. This way, you can channel your resources more effectively without wondering what needs to be done on an hour-to-hour basis. Having autonomy and freedom of choice are important parts of a healthy life, but sometimes we need to pull the reins in to be more productive. Use the Pomodoro Technique Contrary to popular belief, Pomodoro is more than just a zesty, delectable pasta sauce. The Pomodoro Technique is one of the most effective strategies to combat procrastination and work efficiently. If you're not familiar, the Pomodoro Technique is a time management philosophy developed by Francesco Cirillo. It's based on time intervals that promote bursts of intense productivity, followed by brief rest periods. Here's how it works. 1. Choose one task to work on and be specific, no multitasking or vague goals like do homework. This needs to be tangible like outline my essay or solve problems 1-4. to 2. Zone in for 25 minutes. This isn't 25 minutes of loose focus, we're talking about eyes glued to the work type focus. Think of it like being on a treadmill, you can't let up or else you'll fall flat on your face. 3. Take note of your distractions. Huh? I thought we were supposed to ignore distractions. Not now, whenever you catch yourself thinking about another assignment or what's on TV tonight, jot it down. This way, your thoughts are trapped on paper instead of constantly floating around your brain. 4. Take a 5-minute break after your 25-minute sprint. Have a stretch, get a drink of water, or walk around. These brain breaks will recharge your mind keep you from burning out. 5. Repeat steps 1 to 4 until you complete the task. If you want to dive deeper into the Pomodoro technique, find out why it works, and learn how to fully optimize it, we dedicated an entire article to it recently, How to Stop Procrastinating and Focus, A Guide to the Pomodoro Technique. Blackmail Yourself People have probably told you to hold yourself accountable, but this strategy takes accountability to a whole new level. Merriam-Webster defines blackmail as, extortion or coercion by threats of public exposure or criminal prosecution. This sounds intense, but blackmailing yourself into getting stuff done is a surefire way to make procrastination a thing of the past. Here's how it works. 1. Pick a challenge, 
make it specific and give it a deadline. For example, work out five days per week for an hour or write 500 words every day for a month. 2. Find someone to blackmail you. The blackmailer you choose will hold you accountable throughout the duration of the challenge. Ideally, this person will check in on you daily and won't tolerate excuses. 3. Make the deal. This is the part where you'll decide the consequences if you fail to accomplish the goal. This should be fun for the blackmailer, but scary for you. Here's a template to follow. If I don't, insert task, by, specific date, I will, some extreme action that you hate with a burning passion. The standard contract usually involves betting money. For example, if I don't complete my essay, I will give John my rent money. But wait, you say, I can't afford that. That's the point. The deal should be costly enough that you have to complete the task. There's no shortage of options here. You can blackmail yourself into donating to a cause you don't believe in or a political party you disagree with. The key is to pick a blackmailer that will actually hold you accountable and follow through on the deal if you fail. Accept the part of you that wants to be lazy. Anthony Bourdain called it a guy. Stephen Pressfield calls it the resistance. Regardless of how you label it, awareness that you have a tendency to be lazy is half the battle. It's impossible to escape that temptation to say, screw it, I'll do it tomorrow. Renouncing laziness only intensifies it. But if you accept that you're tempted to binge watch your favorite TV show or eat an entire carton of ice cream, this ironically puts you in more control than the people in denial. We all want to slack off to some degree. It's just a matter of accepting that desire and keeping it in check. Reevaluate the work you're doing. Jason Fried, the founder of Basecamp, says that distractions can serve a purpose, they tell us that our work is not well-defined, our work is menial, or the project as a whole is useless. If you continually find yourself putting assignments off to the last minute, it might be time to reevaluate why that's happening. In short, the procrastination solution might be to stop doing work you hate and find the work you love. Have a why. Simon Sinek wrote an entire book on the importance of starting with why. There's a reason for that, purpose facilitates action. It's incredibly hard to justify pain and discomfort without having an underlying purpose for doing what you do. Waking up early, working out, and writing every day all sound great in theory, but if there are no real consequences for abandoning those commitments, it makes it a lot easier to fall off the wagon. Make a promise to someone you love. Start a challenge with a friend. Sometimes, willpower alone isn't enough to ward off that temptation to procrastinate. Avoid toxic people and situations. Jim Rohn said that we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Or as Gouda said 170 years earlier, tell me who you associate with and I will tell you who you are. The company we keep sets the standard for what we perceive as acceptable. Laziness and indifference can be as infectious as physical diseases. It's not just people that influence our behavior, as I mentioned earlier, your environment matters too. Look at your social media feeds, the apps on your phone, and even the food in your pantry. Does your environment encourage you to put things off or do them? Three books to help you stop procrastinating. I've found that readers enjoy the book recommendations I include in my articles. So, I figured I should include some of my favorite books. Books about time management, prioritization, and overall productivity. 168 Hours, You Have More Time Than You Think by Laura Vanderkam. This book by time management expert Laura Vanderkam is must-read for prioritization, habit forming, and overall productivity. After interviewing dozens of successful people, she distilled her findings into this practical guide. Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones by James Clear. Clear's philosophy of habit forming is taking the world by storm, and for good reason. 
The premise of his book is based on the choice elimination strategy we discussed earlier. In particular, the part about breaking down large goals into tiny, manageable chunks. By focusing on these atomic small habits, we can decrease our temptation to procrastinate and build sustainable progress. This is a book I have at home. Please contact me if you want to see it. For my friends at Class 7A, please contact me through Teams. Deep Work, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World by Cal Newport. Cal Newport is the go-to guy for insights on time management, productivity, and overall success in academic and professional life. In Deep Work, Newport makes the case that the most valuable skill in the future will be the ability to focus intensely without giving in to our increasing distractions. The book is part cultural criticism, part rigorous training regimen, it's sure to change the way you approach your work. Close your browser and get to work. Procrastination may have gotten the best of you in the past, but the good news is that you're in control. At the end of the day, nobody is forcing you to put off your work. Once you realize this, you're free. The right activities are as accessible as all the bad influences, says the writer, Ryan Holiday. They are as plentiful as anything else. What you decide to do with those assets is up to you. But choose wisely, because it will determine who you are. Now stop procrastinating and start doing. I'll see you in the next post. Cheers, victory hand, a-okay hand, celebratory hands in the air, winking face, smiley face.